right, welcome to the Nerd Crusade Podcast, episode 56, I believe. Uh, <laughs> you don't know? Yeah, I don't know. Wow. I believe it's 56, yeah. No, yeah, 56, yeah. The Halo <laughs> 65. Yeah. So this is episode 56. Uh, we're going to be talk about the finale of Night Country. Um, and then also the next episode of Death and Other Details. Uh, we also have a new show that we finished watching on Amazon Prime called Has Been Hotel. Um, we'll also talk about The Greatest Night in Pop, a documentary that's on uh, Netflix. And then the game that came out last week. Banishers. Uh, yeah, Banishers, Ghost of New Eden. All right, so. Let's jump into well, the last episode. You don't want to introduce ourselves? Oh, yeah, we could do that. Yeah. I did a you. Yes, you did. So I'm your host, Ian, and with me always is Courtney. Hi. Who forgot to uh, let's do intros this so time. I was excited. Um, but we're going to talk about True Detective, Night Country. Uh, yes. It's part six, the very last episode of this kind of supernatural murder mystery that's been going on. Um, and I think they did a very good job of like, this is probably the first really good show of 2024. Yeah. This had the greatest wrap up for 2024 to date. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so like where we left off was... Uh, Danvers and Danvers and Navarro and the kid uh, deputy cop uh, were in her in her like foyer area with uh, a dead junkie and a dead cop. Yep. Um and Danvers and uh, gosh Navarro Navarro. Uh, it starts off with Danvers and Navarro driving up to where the. Ice caves are at. Ice caves are at, and where a possible um, place that they could dig down and get into the ice caves. Mm-hmm. So we jump into that. Um, Navarro mm-hmm. jumps down first, starts hearing noises that uh, she believes are spirits, and Danvers, being Danvers, it's just like yeah, Danvers doesn't believe like, in focus. anything. So <laughs> yeah, she doesn't believe in supernatural or afterlife or anything like that. So. She's trying to be all factual about it. So they're in the caves and they're exploring. And it's like, dude, you guys should like bring something to mark where you're going. Because it's just this wine, windiness of like Yeah, so caves. many like little offshoots. And uh, they reach where they blasted the entrance. And Danvers is just about ready to give up. And Navarro's like, no, come through this tiny ass narrow little entryway. So they wiggle their way through, and they're at a dead end. And Navarro starts getting frustrated. Danvers starts getting frustrated, and then Navarro falls through the ice in the into a cave into a lower cave, cave below them, which um, freaked me out because yeah. I wasn't expecting it. Because it was just bam, Navarro's down there, and Danvers is like, "All right, well, I'm just going to leave you to go get help." She's like, "I'm going to get help." Like she's on her hands, and he's like, "Hey, I'm, are you anything broken? I'm going to go get help." And, like, right after she says that, the ice breaks from underneath her and they're both in the hole. Yep, so they're both stuck. And so they start to get up, try, you know, assess the damages on on themselves. And uh, out of the corner of the eye, I believe it's Navarro or it's... No, it's Danvers that saw the missing the missing scientist. scientist but what they also first saw though was this was the skeleton in the ceiling which oh, was the... in annie's video when she died yes um of like this prehistoric animal that's like in, like in, in a spiral, spiral. like the yeah. like we've been seeing everywhere um but we see the scientists like 
looking at them from like another corridor and then Danvers takes off after him and Vero and them run after him to find like, oh, there's a whole lab in this cave of ice cores and uh, scientific equipment and there's a ladder that goes up into the Salon yep. laboratories. And in that laboratory, they discover the, the five-point murder yeah. weapon that, that killed, killed Annie. Annie. The, uh, she finds like a little tube, test tube, testing tube thing. And says, hey, look, it's star, it's star-shaped, uh, like what killed Annie. Um, and so then they follow the scientists um, into uh, the Salon uh, laboratories. Yeah. The Salal. The Salal Laboratories. Yeah. And they are basically, like, trying to track him down. Um, and he kind of gets to jump on them where he, like, locks Danvers in a cold storage air, uh, room and then knocks out Navarro with a fire extinguisher. Yep. Um, luckily, Danvers gets out uh, with using, probably using metal pole and breaking the glass finally. Yep. And Navarro is strong as shit. And the... Yeah, she Dan- wakes up while he's dragging her. And... Yeah, she wakes up pretty damn quick from being hit. So yeah, I'm like, bravo, girl. Yeah. You are strong. Because he's dragging her down the hallway, and that's when she wakes up. And then when Dan- by the time Danver gets out, she's on top of him beating the shit out of him. Yeah, so she, so Danvers had to remind Navarro, no, we need him. We need him to be talk. talk. He, we need to know what's mm-hmm. going on. Yeah. So they duct tape him to a chair. And I just love this interrogation scene that they do. Yeah, because he keeps saying like how much he loved Annie and all this stuff. So like they play Annie's death on a loop. And, and duct tape and duct tape, the duct tape, headphones. duct tape the headphones to his head and duct tape his mouth shut and then they leave. Yeah. While he's stuck there. It's such a great chill. torture. It's like, fuck you, dude. <laughs> You're then not going to yeah. cooperate. We're going to torture you and there's nothing to stop you. Because guess what? There's a giant blizzard going on. Yeah, because that's the other thing. Like, this giant blizzard is happening, so like they can't leave mm-hmm. uh, the station. At least there's some power there. There's food there that they can eat um, and whatnot. So they're not going to freeze to death uh, at this moment. Uh, then it does jump back to what's going on at Danvers' house, which is the kids cleaning up the bodies, packing Cleaning up, up the blood, washing himself yeah. off. Uh, he's got everything basically all done, and then Danvers' kid shows up. Yes. And he realizes there's a tooth in the fucking wall <laughs> yeah and like the crown molding of the side of the wall side of the wall so he has to like stand in front of it and try to get her out yeah where he basically tells her, like hey i need you to go home go back to, let me take you back to my house so you my wife and my kid aren't alone for new year's yeah danvers ain't here and he won't tell her yeah. where danvers is so she's kind of like okay yeah, so i'll he, just go so he takes her back and then like when she comes back like his wife comes out and jumps in the car with him and is like what the fuck's going on and he doesn't tell her just says i gotta take care of something he finally gets a backbone here and tells her like no this isn't all about danvers this is something i have to do and i have to take care of so i think her finally seeing him get a backbone and saying like this is my mistakes i'm owning up to it yeah is what turns her to be like oh okay i forgive you yeah because she's like oh did damage make you do something stupid and it's like no i did it and i gotta fucking clean it up i'm yeah. gonna do this thing i need you to stay here um obviously he doesn't tell her everything that happened but like and i don't think anybody but him will ever him and her and rose will ever know and damage no matter that he killed his dad yeah um, it's just gonna be those four know for sure i think his wife will have like it inkling but he'll, but, some, yeah. but he'll never talk about it but she'll have like something went down that night and your father is missing 
Um, yeah, Celine, you don't seem too <laughs> yeah. up about it. Yeah, yeah. Probably. So basically, like, she kisses him, and, like, they basically kind of kiss they and make, make up. up. Yeah. And then he drives off out to Rose's ha- Rose's place. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, uh, they finally get some answers out of the guy. Out of the yep. guy that they, they were finally to. get and the answers for Annie's murder. Yeah. So basically, what happened is not only was the lab covering up for the mine. And it wasn't because the mine was funding them. The lab was actually telling the mine, you need to put more pollutants into the ground mm-hmm. and into the water because it's speeding up their process of getting mi- that of microorganism. Mining, yeah, getting the DNA from the microorganism that they say that could change the world, cure cancer, say what. Like, they never say what it could do. They just think it has the potential to do something. They've never proven it to do anything. Yeah. So which also kind of makes it like, what the fuck, guys? Like, you're poisoning this whole town yeah, and they're... just for your little scientific endeavor. Yeah. That may or may not work. That has already killed, what, like, this just this season, like, eight stillborn births? No, it's been more, I think. That was eight more was... graves that were in, in the... I would have to look back yeah. at the previous episode where they showed all but the a, baby coffins. There's a ton of de- ton of coffins in the by, in the morning. They have to wait till spring to for wait bury. for the permit. The, but there's the, at least like eight little child coffins in there too. Yeah, uh, maybe more uh, from stillbirths that are happening from just this year alone. Yeah, um, but basically he admits that no, the lab is telling the mine to put more pollutants in there, and then basically. Annie came by and somehow found the uh, underground cave. Well, she also found the research and notes. And found the research notes and found what, figured out what they were doing. And so she started destroying all their samples to the point that the other scientists started... Uh, like, found her and then just went And started killing crazy her. Like, one guy started stabbing her with the, with the murder weapon and then he kind of, like... He pulls him, him off, off, but then all the other, other scientists, scientists show came up, down. They all just beat the shit out of her. And stabbed yeah. her. To the point where, like, he thinks she's dead and when, when by the time he goes over to her body because they've all backed off at that point. But then she's still alive and then he, he basically has... To, he basically chokes her out. Yeah, he... Uh, yeah, chokes fighting. her. Yeah, because... He chokes her, and in his mind, this is just a guess. He thinks he's doing her a favor because she's been stabbed and beaten. Yeah, and like she's fighting back the... against him as he's trying to hold her or whatnot. But like he's not like trying to stop the bleeding from anybody. Wounds like he then just starts choking. Yeah, her. so he's he's not innocent. Yeah, so he basically finally killed her. Um, yeah, and that's when the t- uh, the slog team calls up the mine. Who then gets tanked to move the body? Yep. Um, and then, basically, they have all that information that they need, um, but like for Annie, but it doesn't answer the question the, the of other how scientists, yeah, the sci- other scientists died. And all you keep saying is like, it was that she's awake and her vengeance came and got them and this and that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he tells them like, hey, he went and hid inside the the cave when this stuff ha- went down. Yep, and, and he, he was, was holding, holding the on door. to the hatch to make sure no, nobody could get in. Because yeah. at first it was one of the scientists yelling, hey, let me in, let me in. And then he ran off, and then there's someone else pulling at the door, too, that he just held the door. And he said he stood there for an hour and held it, and then came up and to get food. And then saw And that... he's been hiding ever since yeah. at the station. And Dan and I love Danvers's line here. She's like, "That son of a bitch has been under our nose the entire time." Yeah. It's like he's just yep. hiding in that underground cave there, which um, no one knew because they had a little secret hatch. It was a secret hatch for yeah. Um, that unless you knew was there 
you would not find it. Yeah. So, um, still no explanation as far as the deaths of the scientists, but we found out what actually happened to Annie. Mm-hmm. Now, during all this, though, um, the gets, power goes out. Well, before that, oh. we get to a point where like Navarro says, "Like, tell me you love her one more time," and then like Danvers leaves, and Navarro looks like she's about to shoot him. Yep. But she doesn't. But she doesn't. She shoots her gun off. He screams and she says, shut the fuck up. Um, and she walks and out walks to Danvers. Out Danvers. And that's where that's Danvers admits, I was about to kill the Wilkins guy from the earlier case that basically was being used against him to shut down this one where... Well, to shut down... Shut down the Annie, Annie K- case. case. Uh, because basically it wasn't a suicide, a murder-suicide. It was a murder. Murder-murder. And then a murder. But Danvers says, I was about to shoot him myself. But then we go back to see that Navarro, flashback. Just, Navarro just fucking pops him in the head. Yeah. No well, you do see Danvers start to raise her gun yeah. to him like, you son of a bitch. Navarro just moves faster and just does it. Yep. Um, that's why Navarro moved to the troopers. That's why it was covered And that's up. why Danvers covered her. Covered everything up, yeah. Yep. Because um, she completely understood uh, that she needed to kill her. Yep, so this is kind of like another crack in Danvers that we finally get to see. And we see a lot more uh, cracks developing from Danvers' stone-cold personality in this episode, which is great. Yeah, and then um, basically what ends up happening is the power ends up going out. Yeah, for the whole town. Because oh are... yeah, that's right. Because the kid is off driving off the roads, and then we, I was like, oh look, at least the roads right are well lit. lit. And then and it's... then all the lights go out, <laughs> and so even the lights at the lab go out. They try to get the generator working, it doesn't. Um, and probably because it's out of fuel. Yeah, and then um, what ends up happening is they end up finding the scientist because he want he was begging to like die and like just asking Navarro to kill him or like let him do it himself. Yeah. And so he runs outside and sits down in the blizzard and freezes to death. Yep. And Dan ends up finding his body out there. Well, Navarro's watching his body basically freeze to death. Yeah. Um, Dan freaks out because, like, hey, that's, we needed him to, for, he's our only witness, only person that could, could tell us what was going on. Yep. And, and to wrap up the Annie case properly. Yeah, and then Navarro is still having, like, her, like, spiritual crisis type thing. Yes. Uh, still hearing her voices that are calling her out. out and she's office. very scared of, um, and she eventually starts wandering out in the cold and ice. Yeah. And so that Danvers chases after her, and then Danvers falls through the ice, which is that big, uh, ice moment that you see in the commercials or the credits, and yeah. the credits so but basically navarro like they don't they don't directly explain it, so it's kind of up to you like to kind of understand it's up for interpretation and she's going out out there and like she's being in her mind's eye she's transported back to like iraq or yeah iraq or afghanistan where she was deployed where ied blew up her uh humvee and whatnot and there she, you know, is like reaching out and find and hears a voice and basically discovers um, her actual native name. Yeah. Which I couldn't pronounce it. If you, if I can't either. I'm not going um, to. They do tell her. us what it means later on, but like she basically learns what her tribal name is. Um, turn, comes back and sees that uh, Danvers has fallen in the ice. Danvers is like basically freezing to death and dying and hearing. Yeah, uh, and hearing, she's seeing she's seeing her dead son. Yeah, um, and the flashbacks of of the car the crash. car crash that killed her son and, and her, her husband. husband, which were never given like who was a fault that we just see it's a horrible car crash, and the kid died in the car. 
Yeah. Uh, with her not knowing, was he calling out for her? Or was he not? Was he scared? Was he, did he die instantly? Like, she never really knew exactly how, what happened. It was just that he died. Um, but Navarro comes back, pulls her out of the ice, and basically yep. gets her back to life. Warms her back up. Um, and as she's, and as Danvers is warming back up, she asks uh, Navarro, what what did my son say? Yeah, because Navarro was telling her, like, hey, I, I heard, I've heard your son. So- whispering and he's out there and he's talking to me and that really pisses Danvers off at first but now that like he's coming back from the brink of death she's like okay <laughs> tell me what my son said she's like he sees you he's, yeah he so this is like you. Danvers finally giving in to her spiritual side yeah which is really nice to see because this softens her up so much it's basically the fact that like she never grieved couldn't didn't grieve properly because when she, and she probably has never grieved properly since she was a child mm-hmm. when her or I think her mother her mother died and her father said just pray yes. and she prayed nothing happened so then she lost her faith then so at that point she's never had faith in anything and then losing her husband's son made it to where like she never properly grieved about it um, till this moment yeah and that's finally like she finally gets the grief out finally gets all that um, and then we also end up flashing over to what's happening uh, with the kid where the kid he, he meets up with Rose. Yep. Tells her like, hey, De- Navarro told me to take me to where her sister is. Um, and Rose is look, like, someone's gonna all right. There. And so, it's like, you could tell Rose has done this more than once. So yeah. I want a show about Rose and her background and what the hell happened like. In her life. Well, considering, like, her lover was the father of the guy who's the detective in the first Allegedly. Se- season. Yeah, right? Allegedly. Because of, would... like, the timelines work, it's like, yeah. huh? I don't know. So that'd be interesting to do more of that. But basically, she takes him out there um, and, like... Has him dig the hole. Dig the hole. Tells him, like, you have to put the body in there. Like, this doesn't get easier after that. You think the hard part's done now. The hard part is the fact that you're going to be alive for the rest of your life knowing that this happened. Yeah. Um, and that's what he has to deal with. Um, but then, um, the Varro and Danvers, like after Danvers is kind of like rested up yeah. <laughs> and like no longer dying yeah. of hypothermia, um, thinks, Oh wait, the guy was in the, in the he cave. Starts talking. Yeah. And something Navarro said, like, triggers. I hold the hat. I held the hat. She said, he, he held the hat, which is what he kept saying. He did for an hour, right? Yeah. So then Danvers goes over there and dumps a bunch of chemicals all over the hatch and says, hey, get the infrared light. Yeah. And she says, we haven't been asking the right Right questions, questions, which is Danvers' big thing. It's like, you got to ask the right question. The right question is, who knew Annie Annie was murdered? Yeah. Who else knew? And so, like, they dump all this liquid over, bring up the infrared, pulls up all the fingerprints that are on the uh, hatch, and then they see a handprint... That's, that's missing, missing like two fingers. Like has two short fingers, shorter than normal fingers on on the right hand, and then they think they realize, oh shit, it's the girl from the the uh, fishery and the woman that was taking care of her. Yeah, who come in? Who come in and they do the laundry and cleaning well, for yeah. the salon sir for the salon scientists. Um, they realize they were there. They knew Annie is Annie has died, and then this is where it explains the supernatural murder of the scientists, which. This is so was great. Really great. This is a great fucking review. So they go over to the gal's house where the the older lady and, and the, the younger young girl, girl are there, and like as they're having this conversation, like all these other people start oh, showing more up and more. As soon as they drove up, there's people in the back and the background. They're like, "Oh, what's going looking. on?" And looking, and it's not like they drove up in a cop car. They drove drove up in the salon. Um, 
uh, SUV. SUV, because that's all that was at the place, right? Yeah. So they go and they say, we have some questions about um, the murder of the Sloan scientist. They want to ask her. And then the old lady, uh, Devar introduces herself with her tribal name. Yes. And that's where the woman says, yeah, that my yeah, name was that too. And that means the light that comes after the dark. Mm-hmm. Which is exactly what this whole story is. Yeah. And, so and ba- she's like, and I love how they go sit down at the table and the older lady says, let me tell you a, a story. story. And it, the scientists. Yeah, it turns out it was tribal so, justice. They knew that they killed, so that they were cleaning the place and a bucket spilled and that's when they found the hatch. And they went down, down the, the hatch. hatch. They, they found, found the, the murder, murder weapon. They found all the research that said that they were uh, polluting uh, the native land and whatnot. They found everything. And even the damage is like, why didn't you report anything? They're like, why? Nothing happens. Like, mm-hmm. you tell, like, it was the point, like, they've given up in the justice system working in their favor. The mine has too much money or controls politics, all that bullshit. Well, it's not then, just that. It's also statewide. Yeah. It, like, nothing ever good or happens if you tell law enforcement. Yeah, it's, and it's not native. necessarily, like, a distrust it's, of Danvers. It's just a distrust just, of the system, which yeah. is very, very clear and understandable considering that they're all native people who've been there long before any of this other stuff. And have seen this happen over yeah. and over again. Every time uh, one of their own gets injured or murdered or disappeared, it's just swept under the rug. Yeah, nobody seems to care, right? And yeah. So that's been an issue across the nation and around the world forever that native people... Mm-hmm. Their cases and their crimes never get solved because nobody cares about it enough to do giant manhunts. And but yep. one little white girl disappears for a week, and they fucking go crazy Small? about it. Right? Talk so about. they basically took tribal justice. They figured out what happened. They had all the evidence of what, and they took to, pictures, to, pictures of all everything. And they went back with guns and rifles with the, like the whole women tribe. Yeah. <laughs> and they chased the scientists out of the building, threw yep. them into a container truck, drove them out o- over to uh, in the middle of nowhere, made them take off their clothes and walk out into the blizzard. Yep. With the concept where, like, the other thing they know explains is, like, hey, she's out there and she wants to take them, then she can take them. If she doesn't, their clothes are well, here. That's and a they spiritual can, thing. Yeah, and they, and they could come get their clothes and they could sur- they would be able to survive. Yep. And, I get, and they say, I guess she took them because they never came back for their clothes. Um, basically because they just ran them off with guns and said, hey, go start, get, start get running. Fuck, start running, get the fuck out of here. None of them were snar- smart enough to like try to loop back or yeah. anything. And they all died out in the in the blizzard, basically kind of confirming like the whole it's a winter event that killed them. Yeah. Um, And basically that's when Danvers is like, yeah, so officially you should know the friends that came back and it was a weather event that killed them. Yep. Have a nice day. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Well, and they basically will keep that secret. Yeah. And then it flashes forward to May, to where Danvers yes. is being interviewed about the disappearance of Hank and what's going on with that. And so we kind of get that they're covering it up and all that. And then um, they bring up, hey, have you seen the Travis video, which is the last scientist that died, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, Navarro had basically taken a video of him confessing everything and then had put it online, which would then it was perfect because we're like, hey, how are they going to shut down the mine? If they don't have a witness, they can't turn in the ladies, what are they going to do? And it's that they post that video online, and that's enough to get anybody to investigate and probably shut shut that shit down. down Because, like, they're 90 times higher than what they should have been on pollutants and whatnot, and that the laboratory was encouraging them to do it. 
Um, so it shuts all that stuff down. Um, and like, and they were also asking like, Oh, with the mine shut down, isn't that going to affect the economy and the town? And Danvers had a great response. Yeah, to it's like this town has been here before there was a mine, mine. before the the AFP was here, before, before this true, town was before even called Indians, and before Alaska was called Alaska. Yeah, it's like it will always be here, which was like, yeah, that's a perfect answer. Um, and then they asked like, hey, where's Navarro? And that's where she says like, hey, some people come to Alaska to get lost. Um, and some people don't. Basically, that's the whole theme of the thing was that Navarro went to Alaska to f- try and find herself, but like wasn't doing a very good job of it. Yeah. Until at the end of this, when she figures out what her name is and she accepts that. And like, then you think, okay, we see her walking off into the ice. And you think, or, okay, what she do? We don't think she killed herself. Mm-mm. And then. We see Danvers with her stepdaughter, like having a good time. Yeah, going on finally trip. getting along. like along because and the daughter has the tribal tattoos yeah. now. And then you see them down at like a lake house in the in the spring or whatnot. And then there's Navarro hanging out there as well. On the that could be a spiritual thing. I thought. I thought. I it was, thought it was like a little spiritual. I thing. I took it as Navarro went and did like her walkabout. Her walk and, and then she came back and she's hanging out at this property that Danvers owns all, all on the lake. And just being like, like well, she doesn't can't need find be, me. She doesn't need to be a cop anymore. She doesn't want to be a cop. She's just going to do her own thing. And she's alive and they're, and they're now friends and they're hanging out type of yeah. stuff. Okay. Um, that's how I saw this. I was like, all right, that's a good ending. Like, Navarro yeah. is over her, scare, her, her fear of mental health. Yeah. And, and, and over the, the fear spirits. of like hearing spirits and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Danvers is over her grief and has made up with her kid and like they've moved on. I thought it was like a perfect ending to that whole thing. Yes. And like you know, as I said again, like are they going to explain away the supernatural, something logical? Yeah, they totally did, but they still left enough of it there. Yeah, like the tongue. Yeah, because that they, was never, they never explained that. Because even Navarro asked the old ladies, like, "Hey, who cut out her tongue?" He's like, "I don't like, know what you're talking about." Yeah. Um, the tongue being cut out of the body very well could have been Hank or could have been the mind to like be the be the symbol of stay silent yep it could have been very much that and then the, oh, the boyfriend sh- took the tongue or something i don't know, I don't know but it's showing up in the uh, in the research lab is like it's a complete mystery that could be a spiritual thing there yep so um, i still ties that like mystery you know spiritual it mystery is, it is like very vindicating to see like a oh, cool it's tribal justice and it wasn't the yes. men who came by and, and tortured these guys no. and killed them it was the, the women, women. Who all got together <laughs> with their guns and just like get the fuck out of here, take off your clothes, you're gonna fucking die. Yes. Like they It's a great yeah. ending and it's it was certain, so well done. Like how this savage they all were when they all just jumped on Annie to kill her. Like, what the fuck were you guys doing? Yeah, that was like, Yeah, she's destroying psychotic. all your research, but then again, you have yet to prove that this research does anything. Yeah, and you're killing her people. Yeah. Like the fuck so definitely a great great season of true detective mm-hmm. definitely a great show i suggest you guys watch it it's on hbo max um jody foster does an amazing job yes the gal plays novaro who this is her first like major role she's excellent she does a great job she's wonderful um so. she's that perfect balance to uh danvers's character Oh, yeah, definitely. So, like, she did a great job in it. Mm-hmm. And it being, like, her first major, like, on-screen performance was is crazy. Yeah. So definitely go check that out. Um, definitely worthwhile. I think it's probably mm-hmm. the fir- 
best show of the year so far. We'll have to see if like Avatar and everything else uh, lives up can live up to the hype as well too. Yep, but so far ten out of ten. Yep. True Detective, Night Country, All Out. Go binge watch. You'll be so happy. Yeah. So the next show to talk about is Death and Other Details. We yep. just watched episode six called Tragic. Oh, was um, it tragic? <laughs> kind of sorry. I mean, like we had already. Well, there's two more deaths. Yeah, there are because like we <laughs> we basically were like, okay, the ship owners like the ha- ship owner ha- has has to. to be the dude, right? Because why would you like have servers on the ship and not and have your whole operation be running from there and not be and not know, it, right? Yeah. Um. Well, it turns out he's another pawn, or at least that's what we're led to believe. Yep. He's a pawn who is. Uh, being who basically got funded by this blackmailer to finish his project, which was mm-hmm. this ship, but they had to make some specification, some changes to it, which was make those hallways narrower and install all their tech. And he was asked no questions, and they wouldn't tell him anything anyway. So it was all there. He knew about it, and then they called him when this whole crew started, uh, saying that. Uh, he needed to basically spy on this on this investigation that was going on mm-hmm. and report back, and he was doing that for a certain t- point in time. But he says he never told him about the uh, the die paperwork or that or when they gave it to uh, his friend in Malta, like that, like she wasn't involved. That's yeah. what he's claiming. But we all, but what we also see is that the governor ends up dying. Yes. Um, in a very dramatic way yeah, in front been, of everybody. She's been coughing and like doing this whole time. We're like, something's up with her. Like, right. Like it's not allergies. Like she's must have like an illness or something. We don't, they haven't revealed yet, but it turns out that she was also killed uh, by um, the little Asian, the Asian chick again. Yeah, the yeah. one who killed, uh, killed the uh, friend of the detective. And the one uh, is the same one that killed the governor. Mm-hmm. And she's on this whole righteousness. Like, Oh Yeah. These are rich fuckers and this and that, and I'm making the world a better place. And then and she then the, gets her world rocked. Yeah, because uh, Jules, the security guy who's in the cell next to her, is like, no, nah, that was the detective's friend. He was investigating a case against against the family. Uh, you just killed a dude who was pretending to be a rich snob. Um, do you think... <laughs> so So whatever you were told... He's like, whatever you were told, you were lied to. Like, you killed someone without even fucking thinking about it. Yep. <laughs> uh, so her world was rocked. Uh, and then she kind of apologizes for killing the hit guy, which is, like, too little too late. Yeah. And how the governor was killed uh, was through those, uh, like, vitamin. vitamin D or C injections. Yeah. Which it's... I'm like, that seems really stupid. Why would... I don't know. Just pop- Yeah. So, like, and they were, like, giving them to, a lot, to, like, a lot of the guests, I guess, right? Like, yeah. Like, oh, you often have it. And the governor got it, and they she had poisoned that one, and that's and it killed her like in three uh, three days. Three days, basically. yeah. Because you noticed on her arm was like where it was necrosis and it was rotting almost. It's like yeah, she was dead three days ago, and she just didn't notice. Yep, or no. Mm-hmm. And the but the governor but was going she was, out. She was about to uh, out the family. Yes, the entire family. She said she had evidence. She had locked in her safe, and she was going to give it to Interpol. But what she ended up handing Interpol was an empty notebook. Yep. So someone got into her safe and yeah. swapped everything out. And she didn't look before slapping it down on the table. Yeah. Now, the other person who dies here is the lawyer, but he kills himself. Yes. But here's the interesting thing. And this is one my new theory now. Or you have side, a new theory. Was that the Interpol agent, who's this great actress who's playing her, that has to be 
be either the head honcho of this blackmailing ring, right? The um, I forget the name they keep throwing around. Uh, who they think it is, Jack something or whatnot. It's yeah. Um, but I keep thinking that now it's like maybe it's the Interpol agent, right? Because Interpol shows up when there's a murder, keeps the boat at sea, and then uh, to wrap up the case, she's by, there by herself with like no staff. Yeah. Also, they don't like take the dead body away. Yeah, it's just either. sitting in a morgue. And then when the second murder happened, she's like, we really need to get to shore and then keep everybody uh, in the area and say they can't leave. Yeah. Like, not keep them on the boat, but keep them in the area, right? Which is weird because it's like, you had a murder already and you just let the boat stay at sea so the murderer couldn't go anywhere. You think you solved that. And now you have another murder and you're like, oh, everybody, go, we gotta get to shore and nobody can leave the city. Yeah. Which people can fucking figure out yeah. how to leave the city. Like, yeah, come which on. is like, why would you do that when you just keep them all on the boat, right? Yeah. Um, because I'm thinking like it would be ingenious that like okay, a murder happened on the boat. The guy sends in either his agent, which would be her, or he shows up himself, which is her. Mm-hmm. Investigates what's going on, and then uh, basically can cover up cover his own tracks where like, Oh, Interpol thinks it's this and won't, won't investigate any further. Yeah. Well, it's also like how she's like, Oh, it's just this one tiny little girl. All right. Done. Yeah. We're finished. And basically that's what it, that's the answer for the second murder anyway. But then what happens is like the lawyer was hitting on her. Like when they found out like he likes to be dominated. Yeah. He was hitting on the Interpol lady and she invited him to her room and he gladly accepted. accepted And then she lit his chest on fire, which is like, what the fuck? That bitch is sadistic. That is, which is like that's really weird. that's really crazy. Like even if she's like into being dominating, like she lit him on fire. That's crazy, um, and like he's been acting weird and like thinking about that the whole time. And then when they realize, hey, he must know something, and they go to him, he throws himself off. He's like ranting and throws himself off the side of the boat. Yeah, he's like, no, you can't know this. Yeah, it's big like, I'm, secret. like I'm so sorry. Like apparently he said he was in love with Imogen's mother. Yeah, um, and then he throws himself off the side of the boat. Yes. Um, what we do get back is we do get information that the if you find out when the die was being used, the invoice was from two thousand five. Yeah. So that so Imogen does like confront her friend saying, What the fuck? You guys are poisoning people in China because it does come back to the girl in China. There's a girl who killed uh the detective's assistant and the governor was like, Hey, I had a friend who worked in this factory in China and she was pregnant and she was working and then six like Three months before she was supposed to have a kid, the kid came and was had stillborn death or something like that. It wasn't stillborn. It only lived for six days. Oh, lived for six days and died. And then her friend went to the roof of that factory and threw herself off it. So that's the same factory that the family owned that was mm-hmm. using this chemical that they, was banned to be used that the governor like turned a blind eye to them doing shit to. Which, honestly, the governor kind of is, is... I know that she's been turning a blind eye to a lot of the stuff they're doing. But, it's but like, it wouldn't be the China stuff because, like, that's out of her jurisdiction anyway. She's yeah, a governor of Washington. It has to be something in Washington. Yeah. The governor was about to start getting blackmailed for her relationship with Tripp. Um, that's why the photos were, being, were starting to be sent to her. But they already poisoned her, which is kind of weird. Yeah, so it's like, why would you do that? May, I, that's may, a little wonky. Which is maybe... Um, well, yeah, because when did they send her the photos? Was it before... She got the it was that, it was after the drip. She got the drip like in the first episode. We see her getting that. So it might have been, hey, 
I can give you the antidote, but then you gotta keep hearing to keep the photos closed. But like then she was like straight up, I'm going to uh, turn in my information. Because yeah, she, but they never because she, she was on their payroll too, right? Because she was called uh, called to send in the uh, drink. Yes. So she called the the bar cart that the girl hid in that killed uh, Danny. Mm-hmm. So she she did that. Then she was going to turn them in because she had all the information on them, and then that got stolen, and then she dies almost immediately afterwards. Yeah. So they probably are like, okay, she did this. Now this stuff is falling apart. Gave her the drip so they could kill her. Because um, she wasn't going to play ball, even with the blackmail photos. It was not like she called him back and said, hey, I need, what the fuck's going on? Right. Um, so they killed the, he kills the governor for that. The thing is, they're still trying to figure out who is the big bad. We don't know. Yeah. It can't be, uh, the dad of the family is like going off on his own thing. Where I, cause like, I don't think it's... it's not him. I, I want to say it has to be the Interpol chick. If I was... Interpol shows up with no other force than just one detective. Yeah. It's weird. They, they leave, they don't take the body, and then it's like... And okay. she's just hanging out on deck? It's yeah. A, it's a little weird. Also, the last big uh, surprise of this episode is Imogen outs the detective for being... Or the detective outs himself to Imogen for That's being a fraud. fraud. Yeah, the fact that he is famous for finding like a royal jewel that got stolen... And it turns out he was just like a drunkard at a poker game and won it in a poker game. And then it was told then that, oh, it's this missing stolen necklace, dude. Like, it's probably worth a lot. Um, and then he turns it in and makes up the story about how he was the detective. And, and, and figured, figured it, it all out. out. And that's how he got his reputation. Now, the one thing that I think is why I, th- I totally think um, Interpol is, is the bad guy is that finally we see scene with the kid again. The oh, kid. yeah. The kid that's like never any, anywhere there except for like one or two scenes. He was there doing his, his stream video on his phone, and behind him was a detective with her computer, and she was closing it right when he finished up. Oh. So it's like, cool, he has on his video what was ever on her computer that she was doing at the table before the governor came over to hand her the evidence. I was like, <laughs> that's like... It's if they place the kid more in it, I w- you probably wouldn't think anything of it. But the fact that the kid's never anywhere, yeah, and is only mentioned like once or twice, and then he pops up one other time. Yeah, they need to ha- have him be everywhere. Yeah. So you- you're just like, oh, mindless background actor. Yeah, but the fact that he was there and like that was going, I was like, okay, he has something on his phone on his stream that will in- that will incriminate the Interpol agent. I bet. Yeah, uh, and that'll come back around at the end. Um, I'm almost, Hopefully. I'm almost sure that's what's going to happen because like, it was too weird that like, oh, there's the kid again and yep, he's streaming. Oh, look what's happening behind him. Somebody's closing something up that they want people to see, right? Yep. Um, other things that happened this episode is the daughter is supposed to be CEO. Anna. Anna uh, is outed or basically Layla, her wife, sees the video for fucking uh, her ex-girlfriend. So <laughs> yeah. Her relationship's definitely done. Um, and she goes on a bender with Trip, basically, um, which is like kind of not gonna consequence. Like, I don't think Trip's definitely have to mastermind on anyone. Oh no, he's an idiot. I definitely think it has to end up being uh, Hildy, yeah, Agent Hildy Eckerson. Agent Hildy Eckerson, you mean? Yeah, she is fucking <laughs> hilarious. Like, she's such the a accent's actress. wonderful. Because like last time, like you said, last time we saw her was in Only Murders in the Building, and she's like mm. this New Yorker. Uh, Broadway producer. 
Yes. Um, Complete different role. It's great. Yeah, it's great to see her back to back doing stuff like that. Um, still think great show, great like murder mystery who done it. Like I said, we're we're still guessing. I'm I'm thinking that the agent is definitely in. If it comes out that she's just another pawn, that'd be interesting too. It's also kind of weird that I think the ship owner's just another pawn. Yes. Um. So we're trying to we're working our way backwards to see who's mastermind and what's going on here. But it's definitely interesting. Uh. To watch this on Hulu it comes out every mm-hmm. Tuesday. Next episode is tomorrow night. Uh, I believe it's a total of eight episodes. No, ten, eight, ten, ten episodes. Yeah, so we got a few more. Yeah, so that was just episode six. six. So next episode is seven called "Memorable, Vanishing, Impossible, and Chilling," which will end on Tuesday, March fifth. So that following week, we'll have the wrap up of that. Yep. But should be interesting. That was also that was a great show to watch. Uh, so check it out on Hulu if you have it. Uh, now, the next show we're going to talk about uh, came out on Prime. I heard about this through the Kim- Stephen King podcast. Um, I don't know which episode it was I was watching. It's called The podcast called KingCast. Um, and they basically take a bunch of different people, whether they be celebrities or other people in the industry or something like that. And they talk to them about um, what are their favorite like Stephen King movies or books. And they discuss that. And I think one of the people that they had on um, was the musical writer for this show and was describing it. like, oh, that sounds interesting. He described it as, think of a Disney musical, but it takes place in hell and it has all like the goriness and the and the sinfulness of hell, which like Disney would never go anywhere near. Yeah. We're in and, touch with the pole. And apparently this was like some idea that they had like put some something on youtube about it i couldn't find exactly what it was because this because mm-hmm. now this this show is actually what comes up when you look for it they had some type of like cult following there which got them enough to like pitch it uh to a24 who then uh, bought a season of it and then they uh sold it to prime who bought two seasons yep so the first season's out now um it's 10 called, episodes long it's called has been hotel it's an animated uh musical tv show um, with 10 episodes out now, and it's basically about the daughter of hell uh, trying to, like, negotiate a kind of peace with heaven. Because basically, in this universe, every year, heaven comes down and starts killing... What was that? That would be your cat getting into a bag. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought it was a tapping on a window or something. No, if it was tapping on the window, I'd go ape and attack. Yeah. And basically... Um, in this universe, how they have set it up is that every year heaven comes down to hell and starts slaughtering demons and sinners because more people are going to hell than heaven. So eventually there'll be enough of a population that hell could rise up and rise again. Yeah, overthrow heaven. So they come down every year and they kill everybody. And so this starts on like the day of like the extermination and then, uh, our main character, Charlie, I think is her name. Yep. Yep. Charlie. Uh, her, she's the daughter of hell, uh, which is the daughter of Lucifer and Lilith. And basically uh, has an idea that she's going to open up a hotel where people can find redemption or work their way to redemption and then go back to heaven. And therefore, no need to exterminate people because people go to hell. They'll redeem themselves in this has hotel and then go to heaven after the fact. Yep. So it becomes more balanced. Yeah. And so like. She gets a call from her dad that he, she needs to take a meeting with the heads of heaven after the extermination. Yeah, which is just Adam. Adam. From, you know, Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, who's apparently an angel, which then, that's also the different lore is that 
first there was Adam, then there was Lilith. Lilith had a mind of her own and was like, fuck you, Adam. And so then she got banished banished to hell with with Lucifer. And then Eve was created from Adam's rib, yada, 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 is how yeah. it goes. So Adam is like the head angel here uh, who leads the extermination. And she goes in there trying to think she's going to pitch her idea of the hotel. And they'll be all on board. Yeah. And then it's just Adam saying, no, we're going to show up in six months. We, yep. we, we got to do the extermination uh, right now. Earlier. <laughs> yeah. Uh, after that, we find out that apparently they want to move it up six months because an angel was killed in the la- in the extermination that just happened. And like, yeah. hey, we can't be killed. How'd that happen? So that's the mystery that kind of gets thrown in there. But there's singing in every episode of like Disney quality Disney princess songs. Yes. Um from all the Quite different wonderful. characters, which is great. Keith David's in here and he gets to sing. Yeah, Keith David gets a song. Um Stephanie Beatrice, who is um you might know her from uh Brooklyn Nine Nine as like the, the mean the mean top chick. or she's also the voice of the main character in uh Encanto. In- yes. Yeah. She has a great singing voice and whatnot. She plays uh, Vaggie, the uh, Charlie's like girlfriend. Girlfriend, yeah. Uh, Keith David is their bartender who hates everybody. He's wonderful. Uh, Blake Roman plays Angel Dust, who is like this this porn star in yeah. hell, I guess. Yeah, he's the porn like the biggest porn star in hell. Yeah. Um, the thing is, like Charlie and Vaggie are probably the two who like look the most human. Like Keith David's husk character is like a giant cat. With wings. With bats with like bat wings. Uh, Nifty is like this little, who's their like um, housekeeper, is like this one eyed like bull maid. Um, and then they have Alistair, who is the radio demon, <laughs> uh, who is like as the old time radio voice, and he's like going to be the manager of the hotel. Well, pseudo manager, like more like maintenance manager. Yeah. Um, basically, like that. And like his job is like to promote the hotel and get people to go there. Um, but he also thinks it's a fruitful idea, a, a fruitless idea. So like, he's more than happy to help just to, like kind of watch them fail. Yeah. Because um, he has his own thing going on on the side. Yeah. So really great cast of characters. Really mm-hmm. good cast there. I was surprised. Like, really yeah. great musical numbers. Yeah. They're all catchy. The fact that Keith David actually sings his number, I was really, really uh, impressed with. Um, the whole show goes through a kind of story arc of like them starting this hotel, uh, trying to get people to join up to re- get be redeemed. Which one is like the steampunk snake guy? Yeah, um, with his minions. Yeah, he's like there to fight Alistair, and Alistair just destroys everything. Like Alistair is like super powerful and can do basically anything he wants, and honestly doesn't really get kind of shown up till the end. Till the last episode, yeah. because at the end is when like Lucifer finally shows up and actually helps his daughter out. Um, actually be becomes a good dad <laughs> yeah because like they keep referencing that charlie has daddy issues because like he's a, he doesn't since like apparently like lilith's Lil, been missing for seven since years Lilith was missing and like and lucifer sent to hell he lost his his luster for creation and stuff um so he's like a really shitty magician like yeah, a magician at home like trying to impress he makes ducks yeah yeah he's trying to impress his audience of ducks while like he can't talk to his daughter properly and all that type of stuff <laughs> Um, but it's actually handled like really well. They don't like dwell on like trauma and stuff for any of the characters mm-hmm. uh, that much, except for like Angel Dust has their big issue um, because apparently Angel Dust and Husk have sold their souls to a demon. Yep. Uh, Husk has sold his to Alistair, which we don't know the, the details of their deal. 
Angel Dust has sold his soul to one of the Vox groups, which is like another demon faction in hell. Because um, you kind of get to meet like a little bit of everything. It's enough to like where it's very intriguing, but they don't tell you everything about everyone. Yeah. So I'm hoping for season two, we yeah. dwell, dwell in more in the hell politics and that. Yeah, too. because like Alistair is the radio demon, but like there's the Vox is like the TV video demon. Mm-hmm. And he has like the... Uh, the other two. The other that two were... ones, the fashion one, and then the one that started Angel Dust is stuck to is like the porn producer guy. Yeah. Uh, who's, a bu- who's a giant butterfly, which I, th- I, didn't, I didn't catch that yes. at first because like he was smoking a pipe like, oh, he's like the worm in Alice in Wonderland with the wi- and he's just a moth now. That's the, Which I thought was, those are pretty cool uh, references that they give to everybody. Yeah. Um, but definitely really good. Like I said, every episode has a, a couple, at least two musical numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, it plays out really well. It's really funny. Um, it is like a Disney musical for adults because it takes place in hell. Yeah. To where you have cannibals, you have angels and demons and all this other stuff. And the character designs are done really well and really uniquely. So it's not like it's trying to riff off of anything. It's just it really is its own thing, which is nice. Mm-hmm. So I definitely said check out the first season. Um, eight episodes, it looks like. Yeah, it was eight episodes, oh. so it wasn't ten. I don't know why. Maybe wishful thinking. <laughs> oh, maybe that's just videos. How many episodes is this? Episode guy, it was shorter than we thought it was. Yeah, yeah it's scheduled for two seasons. Mm-hmm. And eight episodes. Uh, okay, it is just eight episodes. Well, fine. Yeah, but really good show. So check it out. They're like thirty-minute episodes, so it's not gonna be. It's not like a slog to get through or anything yep. like that. Quick watch, fun watch. We'll watch season two when that comes out. Yep. Now, the next thing we're talking about is a new documentary that's on Netflix, which probably to anybody who's not our age or older has no idea <laughs> what the fuck we're talking about. Oh, no. Yeah. And this is all about a song that used to play on the radio constantly when I was growing up. Um, I've never seen this video on MTV and VH1 play it all the time. Um, it's a song called We Are the World, which was uh, written by Michael Jackson and um, Lionel Richie. Lionel Richie. And it's a song that like was like a charity event thing. They basically wrote this song to have a bunch of people sing it to raise money to feed starving kids in Africa. Yep, that was a big cause. Uh, feed like, Africa was the uh, yeah uh, uh, USA uh, to Africa like was the yep. organization or whatnot. Um, but the thing is, is like nothing like this has happened since then. Yep, um, like there's been like you know a band aid like big performance stuff going on yeah, for charities like kind of a concert type yeah um show but nothing like we're going to get how how many was there like over 40 it, it was like 60 people or 60 people in one room to sing one song yeah, together when, and when they the video that they made for this was like a music video of them recording the song in the studio so I, like growing up i always thought oh this is like a Saturday. They had a whole day or something brought everybody. Yeah, in. Saturday or a whole weekend and to they do worked, this. And they worked on this and this. Apparently, they all did this on one night in 1985, right after, after the, the AMC's Mar- American Music Awards that Lionel Richie was hosting. So they had a bunch of people in town for that, and then there were a few people like uh, Bruce Springsteen who like flew over from Buffalo, New York, after he got done with his uh, tour mm-hmm. concert, to be a part of this. And this is uh, 60 of the biggest pop stars. And this isn't just like pop music or rock music. It's like, because Willie Nelson was there. Um, Willie Nelson was strictly country. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I guess blues was represented by Dan Aykroyd, who was there. I guess. You had, but you know the blues people You had Bette Midler. You had folk from, um, what's his name? <laughs> God, because they are talking about him, too. Uh, where is he? Where is he? What? The guy that, like, they couldn't, that he didn't know how to sing properly, and they had a basic, so you wonder, like, can you um, make his voice? Oh, Bob yeah. Dylan. It was Bob Dylan. Yeah, right? it was yeah. Bob Dylan. So, like, folk, Bob Dylan is such an introvert. Yeah, and so Bob Dylan, like, is folk music. You have Kenny Loggins. You have... Um, Kenny Rogers. Kenny Rogers, Donald Warwick. These are all, like, singers that kids today have no idea you're talking about. We had Cindy Lauper there. Quincy Jones. Um, Harry Belafonte. The only thing anybody will ever know Harry Belafonte for still is the Deo song. Yes. He's the guy who wrote the original Deo. Yeah. Me say Deo. They like go me, me wanna go home. That's the guy who wrote that song. Um, Bruce, St- Pre- uh, Bre- uh, Spring Sting was a big, huge guy when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lionel Richie is the, was, is was the, also big. He's he's the the meme of hello, is it me? Is you're looking for? Oh, God. that's that's what people would probably. That's know how the the youngins. Yeah. Remember. Um, but they got all these people together for one night and uh, recorded the chorus, recorded solos. Um, had Michael Jackson there, who was the biggest pop star at the time. Michael Jackson is like the equivalent of Taylor Swift. Yeah. Uh, and I'm thinking like it'd be really interesting if today's pop stars had a cause to get around, whether that be, um, vote or democracy or something else or any type of world event. Um, no, it hasn't happened like that before. And they raised about eighty million dollars in the eighties, which is yeah, in eighty five, like, which is equivalent to. 160 million of today's money roughly something like that like if you google it, it'll also say it's like 214 million in today's money well so it depends on which side yeah, you look at it, yeah it depends on how how you calculate inflation but they raised 80 million uh with the launch of that song what's also interesting is when they debuted it it was simulcast it was simulcast around <laughs> the world at the exact same time every radio station in the world played that song Mm-hmm. which is crazy. Like, now you think, oh, that's not a big deal. But, like, remember, this is 1985. There is no cell phones. There is no email. There is no internet that any of these people are using. Yeah. And they got all this done and figured out in, what, like, a month and a half, two months? Yeah, I mean, Michael, Jackson, and Lionel Richie were working together on trying to figure oh, out Oh, sorry, this... four months. Yeah. Because it took them about four months to write. To write it. They're and trying to get they Stevie Wonder out. to write it, but Stevie Wonder wasn't answering his phone. Yeah. So Michael and Lionel Richie wrote it, um, and they were going back and forth, plus also working on their own stuff. He has to host AMC, so he has to work on that stuff. Keep that all together. They had to keep it hush-hush when they got sent letters to people to get involved. Which they sent it four days before the uh, AMCs and the actual event. Yeah. And they um, figured, do it on the AMCs, because that's when a majority of these people will be in town. Yeah, they were trying to get uh, Prince to be involved, but like Prince wanted to do a guitar solo. Like, no, it's not that type of song, dude. Like, yeah, fuck off. Like Prince has too much of an ego. One of the big things that um, Quincy Jones put on the door here, he's the one producing it. Mm-hmm. Was like, hey, check your ego at the door. So like, all these people had come into the studio without their assistance, without any uh, entourage whatsoever, and it was just them in there what's really amazing is that like they had recorded all this behind the scenes stuff of this that nobody's ever seen that they've just been sitting on for 30 years yeah it's like why didn't you release it 
yeah, so they saved all that for now. We got to, what it's kind of interesting to see is that you got to see the star, these pop stars actually be regular people because they don't have their handlers, their entourage, their lawyers, all of that. You saw Bob Dylan be nervous as fuck because he's an introvert. Yeah, it's like, do I sing it like I'm singing the chorus? Do I sing it like I sing it, sing it myself? Like, it's like I can't go that high, and they're <laughs> and like Stevie Wonder's like literally telling him like, hey, this is how you sound. And like he sings the song like as Bob Dylan to Bob Dylan's boat. Bob Dylan knows to just sing it like a Bob Dylan song. Yeah. So Bob Dylan can like get his his verse out. You have at one point they all started signing each other's sheet music because they realized they're big fans of each other. And yeah, they, they can all... actually they can be starstruck <laughs> of each other. And it's crazy because like they mainly focus on this on just the main vocalists, uh, Michael Jackson obviously, and the people who do the solos. Mm-hmm. But you'll see Dan Aykroyd all over in this because he <laughs> he was big with the Blues Brothers album. So he's there seeing it. You see Bette Mittler, but they never mention her name or never mention his name. You just have to look when they do the big wide shots of everyone to find all these extra people. And it's just so crazy that a lot of them, you know, came from the AMCs and instead of going out celebrating, they work till seven in the morning. Yeah. Monster like, doing an award show to do all this, like from 11 p.m. to like 7 a.m. Yeah. They're all because Lionel Richie was working the AMC's all day and then had to go in and do this. Quincy Jones and Mike and Michael himself. Jackson were in the studio all day prepping everything before people came in. So it's like those three guys must have been tired as hell. Yeah. Um, Huey Lewis was there as well. He had a having a solo part. Like it's a pretty, it was a pretty good song. I remember hearing it all the time. Mm-hmm. Everybody used to always sing it all the time. It was like, but you've, I would say it has to be over twenty, maybe thirty years since the last time I actually heard that song play. Anyway. Right. That's what I'm like. There's a lot of people who this album comes out and like they watch it, they have no idea what they're talking about. And like these are all music stars that like this is the biggest phenomenon that like happened and you know was for a long time yeah and like like i said like nobody knows who donna warwick is nobody knows who smoky robinson is anymore huey lewis in the news like some people might know remember his name kenny loggins is uh obviously um, the danger zone kenny loggins what's kenny loggins you you want to you want to do the other kenny where's the other kenny what's his name kenny Kenny robinson robinson what's the other guy's name (laughs) i keep mixing them up it's okay. Um, I'll wait till you figure it out. I'm not going to figure it out. Just tell me. <laughs> Kenny Rogers. Kenny Rogers. <laughs> I'm like, uh. Yeah, Kenny Loggins is more like the country guy, right? And yes. Kenny, Kenny Rogers is the one who does Danger Zone. Just yeah. So like, these are like the icons of like the 80s, early 90s, and then if like you did it today, it'd be like Taylor Swift, Beyonce, maybe Adele. Katy Perry, maybe? maybe it's it'd be weird, um, just because I don't know. I think like he was like the main headlist of like country because like Willie Nelson was there too, and he did he did this Willie Nelson. Yeah, it was like Willie Nelson when he's cleaned up and not looking like a burnout. Yeah, I know oh, that was interesting to see. Yeah, so like it would be a phenomenon to see, and I think because of things like um, the day the music died stuff, like mm. we had a bunch of people in the airplane, the plane crash, all those musicians died. Yeah, musicians tend not to like all bunch up together that often. No, just because it's like. Even at this, they got people have mentioned like, if a bomb went off right now, most of the fucking music industry would be gone. It would be dead because of uh, this, because all these huge stars. Right yeah. Now. Um, because really, like this is before like Bitmill even did Hocus Pocus. 
Yeah. Um, probably, I think, before Beaches. Um, well, Bette Midler was still big. <laughs> yeah. Like, she was a, a soloist. I mean, I was, I'm surprised, like, Barbara Streisand wasn't there. Um, so it's like, I understand why they call it the greatest night in pop, because it's not every genre of music. There was no hip-hop stars or anything else there. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's not just popular music, because you had country stars, you had soloists, you had yep. people who performed in Vegas, um, because Donald Warwick was like, I'm in Vegas, I need to, like, go to L.A. And, like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, well, hop that private plane, buddy, let's Harry go. Harry Belfonte, um, yeah. Cindy Lauper, who was obviously, like, pop music at the time. Yep. It was all great. It's a great documentary. I think it's very informative on how they were able to do this back in 1985. Get everyone there. Get everyone focused enough to get this done in one night. Yeah, the thing is, like, this is American pop. Yo, we... Definitely. Because it's not a yeah. lot of people... It's not, nobody from any other... Because, like, nowadays you have, like, Adele and people who are from all over the world who are world now because internet and television mm -hmm. how we get stuff out there. Um... So it's definitely a slice of life looking in the past, like, how shit was done back then. Right. Um, writing, having to write letters to people, black out the address so they couldn't see where, where it was going to be at. Yeah. And uh, not even, like, reprint the letter with, like, hey, you gotta can't look at the address. It was like, we'll just black that out. Send yeah. <laughs> we gotta go. Yeah. Um, so really great documentary. I definitely suggest you watch it. Yeah, only an hour and a half long, so it's not too long, and it keeps your attention very well. Yeah. Um, a great thing to see, like, how they put that whole thing together. Um, yes. If you're young and you have no idea what we're talking about, watch it with your parents. It'll be real. real but your parents best. will explain. Yes. Um, but if you do remember, We Are the World, it's a great documentary on that. Yeah. Uh, last thing to talk about real quick in gaming is we picked up Banishers, uh, Ghost of New Eden. Yeah, you started playing this. Yeah, it's really good. And what I think this will be, this will probably be a, uh, a sleeper hit. Where um, there's very little marketing for it. It's not a lot of fanfare uh, to come out with. It's made by F uh, Focus Entertainment and Don't Nod, who are. Don't Nod's the people who did um, the. God damn it. The other choice game that we played a long time ago. Other choice. The one where she's in the school and, like, her friend's gonna die. Um, I forgot what it was called. Oh, Life is Strange. Yeah, they did Life is Strange. Um, so And they did uh, Vampire. Uh, so. Oh. Okay. This is like a good mixture of Vampire, which had like kind of decent game uh, action gameplay, but um, a lot of like f learn about people in the world mm -hmm. and make decisions. And like Life is Strange is more like here's a narrative story and just like live your through. decisions create the outcome. And your decisions are like really impactful on like how things happen uh, throughout the whole story. Mm -hmm. This is like a good mixture of that where like there's lots of good gameplay in between everything, and the gameplay uh, plays really well. And it adds to the story that you're playing through. So basically, this takes place in like Puritan times. So uh, like six, 1650 16, or 1680? 16, 16, 1680s, I believe. Okay. Banishers are like these, as part of this like spiritual group that basically they banish ghosts. They're the Ghostbusters of the age. Um, but they're not necessarily like, you know, priests. They're not exorcists or anything like and that. And they're not necessarily priests or religious people either. Um, but they go and they banish ghosts and like their philosophy is that uh, the ghosts ghosts feed off of the living so like if a ghost is lingered it'll definitely it'll drain the, the life force of a human uh, who's alive mm -hmm. and whether they're trying to or not will basically kill that person 
because they're draining it, that person to exist or do what they're, they're doing. So banisters show up and they forcefully remove ghosts from the world so that the living can go on living. Their motto is death to the dead, or life to the living and death to the dead. Okay. Um, so they go to this new town. They're called over there by their friend that says, hey, there's something going down here in New Eden. I need you. I need your help come uh come here this town is cursed mm-hmm. so uh this banisher and her husband um who's a scotsman red and her name is uh antia antia duarte uh it's it's almost like a french accent that she has um and her husband red mcgrath uh they go to new eden to try and lift this curse they kind of underestimate what's going on and it's not a real spoiler because it's part of the main part of the story is that and Tia dies, and uh, Red is kind of like left for dead. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. <laughs> um, she, she's there as a spirit because she mm-hmm. can't move on because basically this ghost or nightmare, as they call it, that killed her is holding on to her body, and that's what ties her to the world. So they need to get her body back so that Red can either banish her or there's a ritual that's kind of forbidden that they could do that would bring her back to life. Let me guess. Player choice. But the thing is, they make you make this choice from the very beginning. Oh. You have to, there's a point where you have to say, you have to swear an oath, like, either I'm going to banish you or ascend you, which ascending is like the nice way of letting them move on instead of like ripping them out of the world. Yeah. Um. So you can either say, you either promise to her that you're going to bring her back to life and you can do that ritual, or you're going to banish banish her uh, and let her move on. And what did you choose? I chose to do ascend her. Oh. It's like the, obviously okay. the good choice because the banishing the only way you can ban well, the only way not banish but the only way you can bring her back to life is you have to kill as many people as possible. Oh, <laughs> like it literally says this ritual will not work unless the mo- unless the the maximum number of people are killed or essence is taken from them for you to bring her back. Oh, so right from the get go, you know that. Either you're gonna kill people to bring her back, or you're going to just like banish ghosts. And so I'm like. What's that? They, the bio. Oh, the Bioshock. Bioshock. I don't know why I wanted to say Biosphere. I'm like, that ain't it. No Bioshock. Where it's like kill the girls. You kill the little girls, or you uh, let them live. Let them live, but you don't know the you know true consequences till towards the end. But this they flat out tell you like, to reach this goal, these are things you have to do. So yeah, the real choice decision comes down to, the kind of hauntings that you run into. There's like a small handful of them throughout the story and basically this you wake up on a beach a witch's assistant has like saved you and kept you alive until you woke up and then that's when you run into your wife and you find out this whole thing and basically they set up the premise there and then you find um you're finding your way back to the to this cursed town uh-huh. um and this is where you start running into people who've tried to escape and they're like stuck in the woods and you run into these cases where like Hey, here's a guy who, uh, they're lost in the woods with his friend. He accidentally kills his friend. Uh, he didn't mean to. So, like, but and his friend, like, forgives him for, for killing him by, by accidentally pushing him off a cliff. <laughs> you know, like, should you banish the ghost or kill the guy? Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out the guy also, uh, ate, was eating his friend. Uh, because he had no food, no, there was no food either. So it's the like, donor poverty situation. So it's kind of like, should you let that guy live or, or should you kill him? But the ghost is like, I forgive him. I would have done the same thing. I was thinking about killing him too. My God. So it's like, so you kind of get like these, these stories like that. Or like uh, another one was um, 
the blacksmiths came over from the came over to the new world was an abusive husband. The wife acted, uh, the wife killed him as he was abusing her, uh-huh. and another guy took his place. Well, the ghost wants to I'm kill them in revenge. So, do you help the ghost out and, and let him take his revenge? Uh, and kill the guy who's like, well, I'm a thief. I took his identity. I'm willing to die for what we did. Uh-huh. Or do you let him live and, like, become the blacksmith? And then what's I, what happens later on, it's like, as you make these decisions, you'll get quest markers to go back to these little settlements that these people have kind of made in the meantime. Yeah. And you'll see the outcome of what happened. Okay. So this is all leading up to, basically, the nightmare is somebody who was probably killed by a by the majority of like the town's leaders or the town folk. <laughs> so what I'm thinking is because they're Puritans is that oh. um, the person who died was probably accused of being a witch. Yeah. Uh, the, the whole town was probably in on it. Out of all that, the, the ghost came back and became a nightmare and cursed everybody. And unfortunately, Antia dies just because they're there to like kind of fix everything. Right. And then Red's going to find out exactly what happened and I'll have to make the ultimate choice. But the thing is that like, even though I chose to ascend her and not bring her back to life, I've killed at least one person already. Like, you know, you deserve to die. Like, this like, guy. Like, <laughs> you've killed, like, because I either came out, like, you killed people because of your bullshit philosophy, which is easier than you actually doing the right thing and saving them. <laughs> so, fuck you, you're, I'm going to kill you. That's funny. <laughs> That's what's really good about it is like it gives you the gray option. The, it tells you the story. You find all the clues, mm-hmm. and then you get to make that uh, option. And you realize like it's not black and white. It's not just like, oh, I'll have to just banish all the ghosts so I can uh, keep my oath. It's like, yeah. well, some of these people are bad. I'm going to have to kill them. Yeah. <laughs> they definitely deserve to die. So how does the uh, fighting mechanic, how does that play out, and how does that feel? Uh, it is good because actually you play as both characters. So you play okay. as Antia and Red. And what it is Red is in the physical world, and being a banisher, they like basically write runes on their weapons so that any weapon they can use can fight ghosts. And he can do a lot of damage against spirits in their ghostly form. And but if they possess something like bones or dead animals and stuff like that, you can switch to Antia, who um, basically uses her fist uh, and other spiritual powers that she'll get as you level level up. And she does a lot more damage to things that are possessed. Okay. So you end up doing a lot of swapping back and forth between them. Um, and there's lots of exploration. So what the game makes you think it's very linear at first because everything is very like, go down this one path, go here. There's nothing for you to really find. But as you go to these little areas, things start opening up and then you can start exploring and it ends up becoming an open world, basically. Okay. And the fact that you have to jump back to some of these areas to find, to talk to people and see what ha- ends up seeing what your choices have done. Uh, opens up even more to more stuff because like who knows if some of these choices like I could have caused more grief and maybe there's more going to be more hauntings because of it mm-hmm. Um, but there's the whole point of this game is like going through the story like what you do with Vampyr where you're having to get to know everything the problem with Vampyr was it was very boring talking to all these medical people and doing all this stuff and like I didn't feel like the characters were interesting enough that I wanted to really learn a lot about them but here you do. Here it is kind of more interesting because there's they're everybody's struggling from a problem. We're like, in the period, it's like, oh, we're we're the medical team at a hospital, mm-hmm. and maybe there's deeper stuff that they're doing that you find out, but it's not hinted at like anybody's doing anything nefarious. Right. We're here. It's very obvious. Like, hey, the blacksmith's work is shit. Why is it shit? Oh, look, 
he doesn't know how to do anything. That's why. Yeah. Oh, you know, the cook, the cook isn't doing their job right. What's what's the cook doing? And then that's literally where the term like haunted by calculus comes up because somebody ends up mentioning that because <laughs> there's numbers being written all over the fucking walls. Okay. Um. So you have to figure out why she's being haunted and what the hell's going on there, and then make a decision for each of these. So ah. I think it's gonna be a super hit. I don't think it'll get remembered for game game awards or anything like that, but it. Uh, yeah. It plays really well. It looks really well. It's like it's one of the f- it's probably the first game of twenty twenty four. It's like it's not broken. Yeah. <laughs> it came out and everything runs the way it should, um, and the decisions do matter like almost as much as they did in um, Dragon Age Origins. Oh, okay. So that's what I do like about it. Like, it feel like it makes you feel like your decisions matter, and that not every situation is this black and white stuff, because there's are going to be consequences if you break your oath at the end too. Depending mm-hmm. on what you do. Um, Interesting. So, even though I know like what I've swore to do, and I still plan on doing that, I don't know what the outcome's going to be. I think there's like five different endings in this game. Oh. Um, okay. So, so, it all depends on how you play throughout the entire game. All right. Um, so, it'll be interesting to see. So, definitely check it out. Um, available on all platforms. Um, I think it's definitely a good buy. I'll have a video review of it up here soon mm-hmm. after I capture some footage from it. But um, playing the first opening hours is definitely a worthwhile game. All right. All right. And that is our show for this week. I think next week we'll be talking about Avatar because I think that's going to come out. Avatar The Last, um, Last Airbender, Airbender live, on Netflix. Live action show on Netflix. Uh, we'll finally watch, uh, hopefully, uh, the Marvels. Yeah, we keep putting it off. But we'll watch that and give a review on that. And then we'll have more Death and Other Details. And maybe we'll find something to replace uh, Night Country since we're done with that show. Yeah. Uh, But thank you for watching and come. uh, We'll see you next week as we talk about more stuff. Uh, I think there's going to be a few more. Probably talk a little bit more about some game gaming news and whatnot. The only other big gaming news this week was that. So Xbox's thing. It wasn't even news. Like it was the it was the literally the people like in the tech industry. There's a saying that that like this meeting could have been an email. This press conference should have been a fucking tweet. It was like, hey, we're going to release some games on other platforms. Uh, it's not going to be Starfield or Halo or Gears of War. I'm not going to tell you what it is. Yet people have said it's probably going to be Sea of Thieves, Grounded, and then Hi-Fi Rush, and mm-hmm. um, one other game. I can't remember what it was. But it's, but like, it's like another like smaller it was game. A, it was another small game. It was like, there's been... Phil Spencer literally said, I'm not telling what four titles are. So where people are getting that information, I think, are just guesses. But he did say two of them were going to be two of our, like, really social games, which would be Grounded and Sea of Thieves. Yeah. Hi-Fi Rush, people have been predicting that forever. Um, And the Makes last sense. game, I don't, I don't remember. It's like, okay, if that happens, that's not a big deal. Like, Yeah, again, like you look. said, tweet. <laughs> like, this wasn't a, a th- worth a half-hour podcast. It was like... Yeah. We're going to be selling stuff on other platforms because why leave money on the table, idiots? Yeah. I mean, if God of War or if Spider-Man 2 sold on all platforms, they would make even more money versus, oh, we're only going to sell on PlayStation. Yeah. Like, it's stupid to be 100% exclusive. I get the fear that, like, yeah, when Sega decide not to be exclusive and drop their hardware mm-hmm. and become software or do or not be exclusive, their hardware died and then it had to become a software company. Yes. Xbox is still planning hardware. Their other big announcement out of this was that there's supposed to be some new hardware by the end of 2024. Okay. Which I find that surprising since they're not nobody's testing anything for it yet. Right. <laughs> and they would need to be te- starting testing now 
or well, well, actually started testing in the summer of last year. Of last year, yeah, because that's what we started for Series X was in the summer before, and they didn't have the hardware built when we started. Yeah. So, I doubt there's going to be hardware in 2024, other than maybe they're talking about a handheld that people are, are thinking they're going to get into. But if they do that, Nintendo's going to destroy them. Oh yeah. So who knows like, what they're going to do? Don't go into Nintendo territory. You'll get yeah. So, so possibly much. some new hardware at the end of the year. Four games are going to other platforms. Big whoop. Nobody cares. Yeah. All right, that's the show this week. We'll talk about more stuff next week. Uh, so come on back. Uh, you can catch us wherever you're listening to podcasts at. We're on all networks. Um, and find us at www.nerdcrusade.com. Uh, is where you'll find all our reviews, uh, videos, and our podcasts there as well. And our Twitch streams. So come hang out with us. And we'll see you next time. Bye.